0: CrossFit media and um, CBS are a little hamstrung with the the reality of where our world is right now in terms of traveling and trying to pick up media beforehand. But I do really see the storytelling aspect of this games um, being unprecedented compared to other years. And your question of should we be leaning more towards this more exclusive field because of that reason going forward, I, 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 I believe that there probably should be a secondary qualifier.
1: We are here because we know the outcomes in our lives are within our control. That taking absolute ownership of how we eat, sleep, train, think, and connect with each other is how we'll optimize our health and happiness. That chasing excellence is how we grab hold of what is possible. Our mission is to live on the run. Always chasing, never stopping. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Excellence. How are you, Ben?
0: I am good, Patrick. Thank you. <laughs> uh,
1: we are talking a w- less than a week out, right? Less than a week out from stage one of the CrossFit Games, 2020 CrossFit Games?
0: CrossFit Games ended uh, – CrossFit Games stage one ended Saturday afternoon, and we are speaking here today on Thursday afternoon.
1: Got it. So less than a week. And so I thought we'd take – an opportunity or take that opportunity to talk about the games, to talk about the world of the games a little bit inside of our three by three. So our three by three is when I kind of come up with three different ideas and you give us your three hot takes on those three ideas. And so we're going to do that, but we're just going to kind of keep it uh, specific to CrossFit games, CrossFit games, training, comp train, that, that end of the, uh, that end of things. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So the first thing, very timely. Yeah. So the first question is: three lessons from stage one of the 2020 CrossFit Games. What did you guys learn?
0: Okay. So um, the first, uh, what did we learn? The anybody that watched it, or certainly people that participated. One of the the biggest um, things that was highlighted during this stage. So first, maybe a little background for people that didn't see this and don't know what we're talking about. Um, the CrossFit Games this year. We are in a worldwide pandemic, so. Um, the, it's being the competition, which normally was scheduled for middle of the summer in Madison, Wisconsin, the top, um, few hundred athletes around the world to include national champions go there to compete for world's fittest athlete. That wasn't in the cards this year for obvious reasons, so they created an, uh, an online – secondary online qualifier where they took the top 30 men and 30 women. They were invited to compete on an online competition in their home gyms uh, where CrossFit sent judges out to each one to make sure that everybody's doing the same amount of work and um, everything was valid. That's what happened last weekend. It was a two-day competition, seven events, um, and then the top five athletes from each of those are now moving on to um, – it's scheduled right now for middle of October in California. Uh, we had um, a handful of athletes competing. We had uh, – a oh, man, I think it was six or seven of the 30, which is pretty, pretty darn cool. When and we're having we, three of conquer. the ten. Three of the ten for comp train, yes, my comp train athletes. Yep. Three of the top ten are um comp train athletes, Sam Quant, Brooke Wells, and Catherine David Sauter. Um, Katrin and Cole did it here at CrossFit, New England. We put on a pretty good little production for them. Um, and then we sent coaches to um, to a few of our athletes a few of our other athletes to kind of w- help them through the through the weekend. Mm-hmm lots of things came to light during it. The, the biggest challenges of the aspect was, um, you don't know how you did. So you, mm. you pour your heart in this workout, you sell your soul, you let the the battery acid pump through your veins and you give every single thing that you possibly have. And then you essentially have to wait, depending on the time zone you're in anywhere from like 12 to a couple hours to figure out actually how well you did. And there was two releases each day updating the leaderboard. Yep. Um, what was the first thing that, if you if you watched it, it was how close the race was. Mm. So um, Jeff Adler, the first workout was called Friendly Fran. And Jeff Adler is one of the athletes that's moving on to the games. At the end of Friendly Fran, he does his last chest bar pull-up and crumbles to the ground. The people around him scream at him to yell. He's down there for a second, two, maybe three. The people that are screaming at him you haven't finished, get over the finish line. So he had to run across a finish line. Yeah. Had Jeff Adler stayed on the ground for one second longer, he would not be going to the CrossFit Games. Chandler Smith would be going to the CrossFit Games. That's how close this whole thing was. And that shook out in a bunch of different ways. I I don't have the numbers in front of me, the leaderboard, but I believe six male athletes were within a second on the row. That's. One second equal to 30 points on the leaderboard. And the leaderboard came down to singular singular points. 30 points was massive at the end of the day. So one second on the rower was a difference of 30 points. That has to be the biggest takeaway, that every second – matters. Yeah. It's actually the name of the first CrossFit documentary that was put out um, yeah. about the games, but it's truly is, uh, or theirs is every second counts, I think. Yep. Um, that's the biggest lesson, the takeaway out of this thing is the field is so tight, particularly when the majority of the workouts were under um, three and a half minutes. If you let up a second somewhere, um, you're not going, you could, you could potentially not be going to the games. So that's, that's the first biggest lesson for sure.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. Um, Second lesson that comes out of it is kind of the same thing, but um, the way these workouts were structured, they kind of took some normal benchmark workouts, uh, most notably the Fran and Diane workouts. But the biggest difference between those was that Fran and Diane traditionally have setting rep schemes of 21-15-9. That is purposely programmed to allow for it's, – it's programmed with, quote-unquote, the term is elegance. Mm -hmm. to maximize intensity. You can actually get the best score with that rep scheme because 21 is a lot, but you're fresh. 15 is middle, but it's not that much. At the end, you only have nine left. So you can keep the intensity up from round to round to round. They scrapped that model. They kept the Fran model. They scrapped that and kept it as three rounds of 21s for Fran and three rounds of 15s for Diane. Because of that, pacing played a huge role in this. So we start to break down some of the split times. The best guys in the world did it the best, where they only lost, you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds from the first round of the last round. The common thing that we saw for most finishers, most finishers were finishing the first round between a minute and a minute six. The last round was taking upwards of two and a half minutes. Mm. Now that is I mean, if that doesn't – that might not jump off the page to most people like it does me as a coach, but when you think about that in perspective, what that means is imagine you're doing a a two-mile run and your first run takes seven minutes and your second mile takes four – even longer than that, takes 16 minutes. It's I mean, what that, what that would look like with somebody running around the track is insanity. It would look like somebody would stop halfway and have a sandwich. <laughs> but it's only because people mispaced it. So the, the first lesson here to me is um, every second counts. The next one is the importance of pacing dot, dot, dot in certain workouts. So there are certain mm. ones, it doesn't matter as much um, like the row. We had Cole and Katrin go out with two completely different strategies in the row. Cole did it um, exactly as we'd want to in terms of like um, the right uh, uh, strategic approach to pacing. Um, Katrin, for where she was in the weekend, I basically was like um, screw strategy, give everything you had, go out guns a-blazing, just like um, explode. Mm. And they both end up at their exact projected times. So some workouts, it doesn't matter as much as others. Um, And what Fran and Diane highlighted incredibly was how important that that was. A lot of other people that didn't do it well with the Nancy workout um, also saw that huge deviation from fastest round to slowest round. So Mm
1: -hmm.
0: second rule was – or second lesson, I guess, was was pacing. Um, Third one – Um, it's not so much what I bring to the athletes or how to improve performance, but it's just like, it's, it's a lesson that you can take away as a coach or a programmer, or even as an athlete in your garage is simple is effective. Mm. Like these workouts were incredibly effective tests and they, um, they were so simple, like 21 thrusters, 21 pull-ups, three rounds, like how Simple as that. It's, it doesn't get one rep max front squat. Like, you don't need to create these crazy elaborate tests to make it really effective. Um, I'm not saying this was the very best programming. I don't think it was bad programming at all. I think it was, it was pretty darn solid. Uh, but what I'm saying is how effective the, the program, how simple it can be and effective it can be. Um, 1K, like, there was nothing spiced up about it, Yeah. and I just love the purity of it and how um, the word that keeps popping up is I, I'm just me because I'm a purist as a coach and at heart. But um, three rounds of 21 thrusters and pull-ups, just like yeah, love it. Couple it. You don't need to do any. You don't need to do a D-ball carry in the middle. You don't have to do any sort of like craziness at all. Just like keep it super simple. So. Mm-hmm that'd be my three things. Every second counts, pacing matters. And then, um, simple equals effective.
1: Um, just, just because we're talking about it, what, um, what does now to the games look like in terms of time, in terms of like, is there enough time to make real improvements? Are we like, where do you focus? Is it weeks? Yeah. Like literally, literally, I actually don't even know the date off the top of my head. Is it, are we yeah. talking about weeks or we're we talking about months?
0: It's a month difference. Um, but in terms of training, it's three weeks because you lose the three days after this event, uh kind of recuperate and you lose the three days before the next event for taper. So you have three training weeks. Um so that would be the in the 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 actual games, the on-site games is um in uh October 20th-ish. Right around mm-hmm. October, right around there. Um and then between now and then, what does that look like? It uh it's Rocky goes to Russia. You try to make <laughs> as many gains as you can in three weeks. Yep. Um, in terms of the programming, you try and figure out, you know, there's a few things, a few considerations to come into play. Um, I don't think I'm giving away the farm by saying this, but essentially what you do is you figure out what are the biggest, where can we make the greatest adaptations? And you equally weight that with the likelihood of, um, of the test. So, Um, We could get Catherine really good at juggling in three weeks. She could become amazing at juggling in three weeks, like really, really good. A lot of adaptation could happen. I don't think juggling is coming up. So it doesn't make a ton of sense for us to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a really good chance um, a max squat might show up we're not gonna be able to make tons of changes in her max squat in three weeks. Yeah. So you have to try to figure out the balance between those things. What is it that's really likely to show up and what are we get the most bang for our effort from? And that's what you lean into the most. Mm-hmm. The other small consideration, which is unique to this year, is you kind of take the athletes that are there and kind of weigh and measure what should we kind of putting our effort into. So mm. let's say the games was going to be um, Katrin against Tia, Amanda Barnhart, Cara um, Webb, Car Saunders, um, and another um, just freakishly strong, Danny Spiegel, or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what we do with Katrin's front squat, she's still going to take last. Yeah. So. You kind of like you t- you kind of weigh that into the consideration as well, because um, all of those athletes already have sixty pounds on her, aren't not 60 but a, a massive amount on her squat. Yeah. So you kind of figure out that a little bit. I'm not saying it 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 um, it comes into the um, it's a factor that we consider. It's not the number one, but it is a thing that we think about.
1: Yeah, I don't want to turn this this episode entirely about the games, but it's fun. Is have you got – I mean, I'm sure you have, but. How have you started to think about that? Five, it's one versus four, right? That that format is different. Is there anything you can do strategically, either in preparation or you know the weekend of the event, that you wouldn't otherwise be able to do at a normal, regular CrossFit Games where there's fifty, sixty athletes, uh, you know, at least at the start? Or does it does that not actually matter?
0: I think that it it, it opens up a lot for Dave um i think there's a lot more possibilities that dave can do first off like the timeline constriction is gone like you can do whatever you want you're always only doing one heat always like you can do whatever you want from a programming perspective um in terms of the nuancey type stuff like could you do like more like round robin type format like head to head type things like tug of war like you could probably do things like that now um I don't think it makes sense to program leading up to it for those specific possibility, possible scenarios, but there are things that, um, like he could certainly do some head to head aspect things, which would be super fun. Like let's do a little, like everyone does five, like you're going to go head to head in a tug of war against Tia. Then you're going to do it against Haley. Then you're gonna do it against, um, Carrie and so on. And it's like, that would, that might be cool. Like, so there's the new things that could not be done before that are now available.
1: Okay, moving on. The second of our three by three, three benchmarks for competitive CrossFitters.
0: Okay, so let's put some disclaimers to these. So Mm -hmm. benchmarks are um, either named hero or otherwise repeated named workouts inside of CrossFits. So they're like, sorry, they're the girl's they're the heroes and they're the named workouts. So like Fight Gone Bad is not a girl and Fight Gone Bad is not a hero, yet it's a known workout. Mm-hmm. Tabata This is not one of those, but it is one. Um, um, God's, um, King Kong, like even that's one of those probably once. So, and then for competitive athletes. So I'm gonna put that in terms of like um, people trying to qualify for sanctionals. Yep. So, that's kind of the place I would put this kind of like. So maybe not even the open athletes, because open athletes inside the gym, like running goes out the door. But I'm gonna say for people, just to put like some disclaimers and some um, parameters around the the, the choices, because it 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 helps when you classify them. Um, and then the third the third thing I'll kind of lay out for this discussion is, I'm gonna say that these are three benchmarks together. So not like mm. this is the one best. And if you didn't have this one, this would be the second best. And if you it. didn't have this one, this would be the third best. What I'm saying is three benchmarks. You only have three tests to um, determine whether somebody should uh, be going to the CrossFit Games or not. Yeah. Um, oh, man, even as I'm saying this, I'm like, I don't even know if my choice is the right choices. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I'm already second guessing my stuff because it goes what I just said. I when I first put these together, I was not saying to go to the CrossFit Games. I was just saying to to kind of like um, to assess athletic ability. But I'm mm-hmm. realizing there's a hole already as I'm talking through it. All right, having said that, moving on. Um, the first one would be Amanda or Amanda Forty Five. So, Amanda hmm. is 975 of um, squat cleans and ring muscle ups. Amanda 45 is the same thing, but the rep scheme starts with um, 13. So it goes 13, 11, 975. Amanda has shown up at the CrossFit Games. Amanda 45 has shown up at the CrossFit Games. I believe that those two movements really uh, exemplify kind of the higher. Level capacities of a CrossFit athlete. If you look at the athletes that do really well in Amanda or Amanda 45, they're the cream of the crop. They're kind of like, you kind of got the mojo. You got the skills, you got the strength, you got the stamina, you got the wind, you got the athleticism inside of our sport. It kind of Rounds that out really well. The loading is heavy enough, but it's not so heavy. That's just a strength thing. The gymnastic test is enough, but it's not just test just of gymnastic stuff. Those two things combined together, pretty darn good test. I think if you coupled that with um, the workout we just saw, Damn Diane, um, which was three rounds of 15 um, deadlifts at 315, Again, heavy enough, but not a test just of strength, coupled with this really kind of higher scale upper body pushing movement this time mm-hmm. of um, deficit handstand push-ups. Something along those lines, I think, really would paint a picture. Those two things combined, or you're doing a pretty darn good job. Um, the third one, to round that out, um, I would take the barbell away. I'd bring running in and I would do it, uh, um, a weight vest Murph. Hmm. Um, and if you have, cause you need something long, basically what we've done is we've gone, uh, three, four or five minutes with Amanda, three, four five minutes with Diane. And then you need something on the opposite ex- spectrum, which is, you know, 35 minutes of uh weight vest Murph and you can partition it. Um, you know, that's, I actually think that's even a better test, you know, mm-hmm. five rounds of 20, uh, 20, 30, 40 inside of, um, inside of the bookends of the miles. Yep. As the the hesitation I had to start this off is I've realized, you you realize really quickly, like there's no squatting strength in there. You're just doing squatting stamina with Murph. There's 300 air squats in a vest. You know, it's not a perfect three benchmarks, but I think it's a good starting place um, for competitive athletes. Now to give some benchmarks for people, mm-hmm. if you were to do, let's just do regular Amanda. We're just gonna do regular Amanda. If you can do regular Amanda in under four minutes, you're probably um, a games-caliber athlete. If you can do Damn Diane in under four minutes, you're probably a games-caliber athlete. If you can do Murph, Weight vest Murph, in under, um, you know, it's probably like 35-ish minutes, um, you're probably super high-caliber. Now, the best in the world will do that closer to the 30-minute mark. Um, But again, it depends on, how hot it is it depends on your run course, you know, and all those other things. Running is a kind of a hard benchmark to work with people when they're not at an actual event because the running course is very so much. If your pull up bar is right at the exact mile mark, you you could end up shaving. This is really versus if your pull up bar is at the end of the um of the building
1: mm-hmm. and where
0: you do your turnarounds. It's when, when I give running workouts to my athletes, I don't even compare them because. Little tiny differences in run routes go a long long way, so that'd be my three. If if I was to add in a um, a strength thing, it would be a one rep max clean and jerk as a as an additional kind of like cherry on the top. Got it.
1: Got it. All right. Our third of our three by three today is three trends that you're anticipating inside of competitive CrossFit. So looking looking out year two three years, I assume you I assume you do that. What do you see and what are you kind of trying to start to anticipate and work towards?
0: I see um, a lot more interest in the sport. I think Hmm. what Eric Rosa as the new CEO of CrossFit and his interest in the sport, his belief that these are the pinnacle, these should be the poster boys and girls that we are all chasing, they are the aspirational aspect of the everyday athlete. He is an athlete himself. I think he's going to invest heavily into the sport side of CrossFit. And because of that, it's going to draw a ton more coverage from media networks, from big sponsors. Um, and I think that there's going to be a lot more eyeballs on the sport. He said he wants a billion people watching the sport, which is just incredible. I don't know if he means across the entire year, if it's literally the games themselves get a million eyeballs. Um, I'm sorry, a billion with a yeah, B billion. Um, but I think that there's going to be, you know, CBS, who has was not a part of this for the last couple of years, is now um, airing this live on their network across all of their networks. That's say it's a it's a big pickup for year one. I think that there's going to be a lot more coverage and interest in the games going forward. This is a weird year with only ten athletes going. Um, I'm really curious to see what happens because if this year has any, you know, CBS is doing this year. If this year has any interest, I think it's going to be just a huge um, catapult for the sport.
1: Yeah. Do you think, do you think that the format of the games this year being five on five, that does lend itself to a media enterprise great, better than certainly 60 athletes, four heats, for for even just the casual viewer of the sport, that's a lot to, to engage with. Do you think that they might come away from this experience thinking, how do we get closer to this much smaller, much much more watchable version than the expansion that we've seen in the last year or two?
0: It's a really good question. and I, I totally agree with you that the storytelling that can come out of five athletes is just so much stronger. It's going to be more like... I hope actually it's more like when you watch the Olympics, right? You watch the Olympics yeah. and there's all this background story and what they're doing is really smart. They're like getting you to invested in the athletes. They're turning these people in. They're turning you into a fan. They're turning them into a role model. They're turning, um, you know, I, I, I hope, and I believe that that's probably what's going to happen. I think that um, CrossFit media and um, CBS are a little hamstrung with the, 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 the the reality of where our world is right now in terms of traveling and trying to pick up media beforehand. But I do really see the storytelling aspect of this games um, being unprecedented compared to other years. And your question of should we be leaning more towards this more exclusive field because of that reason going forward? I I, I, I believe that there probably should be a secondary qualifier Maybe it ends up being the weekend before the games hmm. where they invite all the national champions, much like they do at the Olympics. Yep. At the Olympics, there is, and people don't even realize this for the 100%. 100 meter dash, there is like, there's not just the one, there's not just the finals. No. That's a week long event and they run quali- the qualification after qualification after qualification. But those don't get the airtime. Yeah. I think that potentially what would work well here is pull the athletes out there a week or 10 days beforehand, put them through a one, two or three day events. You know, we can figure out how many events those are and then whittle the field down to the top single heat, whatever that single heat is, whether that's mm-hmm. five, 10 or 20. And then you really get to open up the floor to really exciting stuff. And they tried to do that a little bit last year with the cuts. Um, but what they did was one a single event, cut the yeah. field in half. Yeah. Another single event, cut the field in half again, a third cut of, and cut the field. That to me is not the right, um, qualification process. Mm-hmm. Do a little mini, you know, invite 150 athletes out, whatever it is, do a mini games, whatever that looks like. Everyone does three events and then cut the field down to, um, you know, 50, yeah. And let those 50 athletes go through another three events, and now you have your X, five, ten, twenty, whatever that is.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the two two of the things that you said are are really connected. The the first being, you know, Eric's proposed number of, number of people watching the games, which is obviously more people than that are are probably doing CrossFit, and the the only way to get that the only way to get people to watch a sport that they don't engage in is if the storytelling is good. Right. Right. And so both of those things, if that's right. the goal, then storytelling has to be the, the method by which you get to that goal. Cause otherwise you, people aren't going to watch. I think there might do be a, hundred yeah. Clusters. I love
0: that. I think that's, um, I might not be the only way, but it's certainly a really powerful way. I think that another thing that could be done is, um, to make the sport, um, visually more compelling. Yeah. So if I come in to watch um, even something as exciting as um, the chaos workout from the games a couple years ago, mm-hmm. and I, I come in in the middle of it and I see 20 athletes doing burpee pull-ups to a target, they're all doing 20 burp- burpee pull-ups to a target and they're doing it for 45 seconds, a minute, a minute 15, a minute 20. And I'm like, what am I watching? Right. It's just – and they zero in on two athletes and they pan back out and I have no idea who's in first. Yep. I'm just watching 20 athletes doing burpee pull-ups. There might be the type of thing where these qualification processes are things like that. We have them do Friendly Fran. Friend. We have them do the Diane. We have them do these really – where you don't need to make it um, visually appealing.
1: Yeah.
0: But then when you get yep. to these final five, now you make it just like – Truly made for TV.
1: Yeah,
0: which is the made for TV is like Ninja Warrior. Yeah. Like you don't need to know anything. I don't need to know a single rule. I don't even know anything about anybody. I could I could flip on Ninja Warrior, and my my eight year old is like, oh yeah, yeah, let's watch this. Let's watch this. Yep. You know, because it's just you just get it. Even yeah. something like um, The Rock's Titan Games.
1: I was just thinking, yeah, I was just gonna bring that up. Like, yeah,
0: like you don't need to know anything about the rules you don't need to know anything about the sport yet it's a test of physical prowess yep. and right away you just kind of like you get it and if it was whittled down to five six or ten maybe there's the opportunity for that type of thing and yeah. i believe that's important mm-hmm. i believe that's really really important
1: mm-hmm.
0: um you know, I still want to find the fittest. I think you can continue to find the fittest that way with the other types of tests coming in earlier.
1: Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And I think that the Titan games are a really good lesson in what could be not certainly that. We're not, not for TV. Yeah, not manufactured entertainment. Because I think yep. that the in order for it to be honest and authentic, there still has to be the heart of what CrossFit is, the heart of what happens in the affiliates. But I think that there's a huge lesson there in what if you, again, if you want the goal of millions and millions of people viewing it, you've got to meet them where they are to some degree and where they are is, is this going to entertain me? Am I going to have fun watching this? Am I going to, am I going to get to know somebody? Am I going to be inspired? And I think that so far that's been hard at the CrossFit games. It's great for people who love CrossFit. It's, we can get all those things, but if you're trying to get outside of our bubble then you've got to meet them where they are. And where they are is, is do I get it? And is it yeah. fun for me to watch?
0: Go go back and watch um, from two years ago the 30 Muscles for Time workout. Mm. Oh, on TV? Yeah. Oh, yep. Like it's a camera just panning across people. Yep. It's just doing this. Yep. So you don't even get to see like the field. You don't even see like if you're there to, as a fan to watch somebody, you don't even get to see that person. I don't get that. Yeah. And then. From there, it's like, you know, unless you understand the scoreboard thing at the top, which is like you have to know the (laughs) sport to get you can't walk in and see that. Yeah. So um, I think that there's there's
1: room. Agreed. Okay.
0: And this is coming from I'm a a – like this, I think the CrossFit games are the greatest sporting events in the world. Like it's like I I'm such which is why I'm so passionate about like I want other people to experience it the way I experience it. Like I I, I'm 100% absolutely riveted, riveted. One of the most exciting events for me that I've ever watched was the marathon row. Mm. Like I sat in the stands for three hours, not <laughs> n- not blinking, just staring at those screens. Like I want everyone to experience that. And I get that that's not most people. Yeah. So I would love for people to, because I understand, you know, when, that, when the pace goes from 211 to 214, I know what's going through their heads and like if we could bring that to light, like, man, that's cool.
1: Yeah, I agree. I've it's been years since people asked me, like, oh, what sports do you listen to? I just, I just at this point just say I, I don't because I don't wanna I don't want to explain to them that the only sport I actually pay any attention to is the CrossFit games, because then I have to explain <laughs> what that is. Um yeah. But yeah, no, it'd be great to be able to say that and be like, Oh yeah, no, I watched that this year. That'd be fun. Yeah. Um okay, that was that was a long that was a long one, but that was uh the first trend is that it's just going to get bigger, which I love. Uh what's an, what's another one you're anticipating?
0: I think that because of the 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 bigness of this, <laughs> the growth. <laughs> yep. Um if you put NIS on the end of anything it sounds awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um I think that we're going to see the professionalization of the sport. Oh yeah. I think right now with uh, the rare exception of a few people Huh? <sighs> I think that this is not being done at a professional level. And I I put me, my operations, my athletes, um, my coaching in that bucket. I am not a professional CrossFit coach. I do it part time. Now I know that there are athletes that dedicate their lives to this. I still don't think they're doing it at the very, very highest level. Now there's probably a handful, a small handful of five or maybe, but the growth of the athletes Uh, what other sport do you kind of fall into at age 22? (laughs) Yep. Like, it just doesn't happen. I think that we're going to just like, and people are like, well, that's because there's no future in the sport. There's not, there's such limited opportunities. There is way today without the growth, there's way, way, way more of a career in the sport of CrossFit than there is in 90% of Olympic sports. Mm -hmm. Yet families uproot and move their entire family across the country to be next to certain coaches, training academies, facilities, whatever it might be, for the opportunity of potentially getting their kids into the Olympics. And there is no financial or reward from doing that. Mm -hmm. If you make the Olympic wrestling team like, there's no, like, you're not a professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not getting a career out of that. And that's a pretty well-known sport. Never mind, like, luge, yeah. like, yeah. skeleton. Like, you know, I think that what we're going to see is um, families, because now it's becoming generational as well. Families are going to get their kids into this earlier with the hopes of, like, Getting scholarships and mm-hmm. earning potential, and you know, changing their lives through the um, opportunities that CrossFit will provide for elite athletes.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree. I think that'll be fun. Okay, bigger, more professional, or or er, or er. what's the third one?
0: <laughs> professional learner. <laughs> uh, and the third one is, I just think we're going to see. It's this is kind of. I mean it's a cop-out answer, but it it, it it I think it's worthwhile bringing to the surface of how good these athletes are getting. What was a winning score at the CrossFit Games in 2008 is seen in every CrossFit gym in the world now. Everyone's commonplace. People are doing it. The winning snatch for a female at the CrossFit Games in 2009 was 145 pounds. And it was we not have pretty, teenagers doing that yeah. that aren't even CrossFit Games athletes. What is happening now? And if you look at what's happening, like what just happened at this past stage of the CrossFit Games and what these athletes are doing, Matt Fraser doing a 305 friendly Fran, like what? <laughs> like what? Yeah. That, remember, remember when a three-minute Fran was like really cool? Like, really cool. That puts you on the elite level. Like, if you had a sub three-minute Fran, you were a freak. Matt Fraser essentially just did that without the descending rep schemes, which is harder, with 115 pounds, not 95, and with chest-of-heart pull-ups, not regular Mm pull-ups. That's insanity. I think that these athletes truly are becoming – so what I see in trending – is um tougher stronger fitter faster younger like it's all like justin medeiros 21 years old like stud now we've had studs before ben smith came on the scene really young sam quant came on the scene really young um but the numbers when those guys came on the scene versus the numbers that justin medeiros is doing Haley adams what she's doing like yes Catron came on the scene really young but like the the leaps and bounds that are being made every two to three years. Um, You know, we tested um, heavy DT and um, double DT, which were both games workouts in 15 and 16. We tested them um, again this year. Katrin won double DT back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we tested it this year, she knocked six. I'm going to get this right. um She went from her winning time, I think, was low nines, and she did it in high fives this year. Hmm. Half, essentially half the time. And that was a winning time. She was the fittest person in the world that year.
1: Yeah.
0: Like the capacities that are being put out now this year for the first time we saw an athlete um, do a 500 pound back squat and um, a sub five minute mile in the same day and 50 pull ups all in the mm-hmm. same day. Mm-hmm. We're seeing athletes left and right get sub 155 Fran times. Like it is what's happening now that we are 10, 11, 12, 15 years into CrossFit. Um what's going to, I, I mean, it's almost, I mean, scary is a word, but it's like exciting
1: yeah. to
0: see the super humans that are being created and what this is going to look like in the next five, 10 years. Like it's going to be insane.
1: Um, Before we wrap up, do you think that everything you just said, the bigger, the more professional, the better, obviously those are all intric- intricately, you know, related right. there, yeah. right? If they get better, they get it gets bigger. They get more professional. It's a nice virtuous cycle. But do you think, and this is an impossible question, obviously. But do you think that all of those things would have been as likely if CrossFit hadn't have been sold to somebody who, at least out loud, has said, "I want the games to be a bigger part, or the, or a very big part of of what we're doing here," versus. A year ago, what it was, which is we've got to get these games away from my my yeah. gyms or whatnot.
0: Um no. The first one, the more coverage, um the more attention would not have happened. I don't believe. Um, Greg Glassman, as revolutionary as he was, um, you can say all the good things, and all the bad things. Um, he just wasn't that interested in the sport. Yeah, he didn't really like the crossFit games that much. Um, he was more into curing chronic disease. So um he didn't want to pour the resources into it. aka, Fire the media team and let people. He didn't want to. He didn't want any part of it. Um, So I don't think the first one would have happened. Um, The professionalization of it may have happened, but it would have been slower. Mm -hmm. And I'll put the 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 last bucket as the same thing. It's like the continued growth. It would have happened. It's just another year of training under these athletes' belts. It would have happened. I think it's going to be expedited because of the opportunities that are now in front of us. Because what's gonna happen is little Johnny is a great athlete. Instead of getting little Johnny to go to um, um, US, try to become an Olympic weightlifter or become even like a um, a collegiate rower, maybe now little Johnny wants to be a world champion CrossFitter Mm -hmm. because of the eyeballs, the attention and all the rest you know, it's a bigger pool to, to pull from.
1: Agreed, All right, my friend. That was three lessons from stage one of the 2020 CrossFit Games, three benchmarks for, crossfit, uh, for competitive CrossFitters, and three trends you're anticipating inside the sport of CrossFit. Thank you very much. Thank you to everybody for listening, for sending us questions, for leaving ratings and reviews. And we will see you all next week on another episode of Chasing Excellence.